This is On the Radar with me, host Radar, coming at you with your NBA preview, this time the Western Conference. For those looking for the Eastern Conference preview of how every team's going to do the postseason, the awards, check out part one where I mentioned the East. This is part two about the West. So as we, as I stated earlier, season got stopped, then the bubble, and then the bubble ended, and now the season's starting. That's not a lot of downtime in between, not a long preseason, and not a lot of amount of time to catch your breath, but... The good thing is they're not playing a full 82-game season. They're playing a little bit less. They're not going to actually play the All-Star game, but they're probably still going to give people the time off. So, yeah, if you're looking for the Eastern Conference predictions, that's the first podcast. This podcast is all about the West and who I think will win the finals as well, where I'll mention how the Western Conference is going to finish, who's going to win awards, how the playoffs are going to go as well. Now, the best team in the NBA won it last year. Due to the fact that you had LeBron James. Milwaukee had a great regular season. Didn't happen. Clippers had a great regular season. And they were supposed to do good in the playoffs. They didn't. So the Lakers may have caught a break last year. When it wasn't Milwaukee or Boston in the finals. And they got lucky they had to face the Clippers in the playoffs. So fine. You can say all that got luck. And there was a whole bubble where there's no fans in the crowd. Either way. LeBron James won a championship with the Lakers. And it was great because Kobe Bryant got to get the championship that they could win for him. Who passed away this year. Among many bad things happened this year. So the Lakers, LeBron James signed extension. Anthony Davis uh, became a free agent and then signed a long uh, signed a deal with them. And Kyle Kuzma signed extension. So the three players that they you know people talk about the most, they they uh, they're there there. Now Avery Bradley when he opted out, he didn't play for them win the championship, but he still gets a ring. He's gone. Danny Green they shipped him out. Rajon Rondo left to go to Atlanta. They shipped out Javale McGee and Dwight Howard the knuckleheads. They're, one's in Cleveland, one's in Philadelphia, and they didn't bring back Deion Waiters. So they got rid of the knuckleheads. So they got rid of the knuckleheads, but and you're saying, well, they got rid of Danny Green, Rondo, and Avery Bradley, and they were good. Yes, but they kept Catavis Caldwell Pope and Marquise Morris. So they get themselves Pope, who could play alongside LeBron as a guard, and Morris, who's a good veteran big man. What they did do was sign Wesley Matthews to basically replace Danny Green Bradley in a way where he could play defense, shoot the occasional three, that's good. And then Montrose Harrell is way better than what you can get out of Jail McGee or Dwight Howard because he could have won six man of the, he, he was like basically he could have won six man of the year last year and that's the thing where it's um and um, that's the thing so like cool 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 Montrose Harrell he did he won he won six man of the year so he won six man of the year and the guy who finished second to him you know will always be like his buddy you know. His buddy, you know, you know, Lou Williams, and at the same time, you then had Dennis Schroeder. So they get they went out and get Montrose Harrell, who was the sixth man of the year, and he's way better than those two guys at this point, McGee and Howard. Yes, he's not a great shooter, and he's not that tall to be a center, but his hustle and thing off the bench will help them because you could play him maybe alongside Anthony Davis sometimes. You could play him, you know, where Anthony, or he comes in for Anthony Davis, who doesn't want to play center, but yeah. That works out. Then you got the runner-up guy who, this year, Dennis Schroeder, who was in Atlanta, and then he was in Oklahoma City. He could be Rondo, who could start for them, but also come off the bench again a six-man role. He could shoot the three-handle. He could shoot the three-handle the ball, and he's way younger than Rajon Rondo and Danny Green, and Avery Bradley. So you steal the Clippers, one of the Clippers' core players, and Montrose Harrell. You get who was six-man of the year. You got the guy who was runner-up, and you got Wesley Matthews, who stole him, who was on Milwaukee, and um. And then the other thing is, when I said you got rid of the knuckleheads like Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee and Montrose Harrell is way better, you also went and got Marcus Gasol from Toronto. So, so Toronto, they're not good. So you got Marcus Gasol, who could probably start, who's probably going to start at center alongside Anthony Davis. You got Montrose Harrell, who can come in for either one of them. And Wesley Matthews can come off the bench or start, depending on what do with Contavious, Kyle Pope, and Kyle Kuzma. And Dennis Schroeder can start, depending on how you want to line it up. So... Any time that you can get rid of the three knuckleheads and three veterans and get, you know, some Wesley Matthews is close to what Danny Green or Bradley can do, but then you get younger and Dennis Schroeder and Montrose Harrell and Marcus Stoll just better and you bring Pope and Morris back, that is great. They got way better there. They still got Quinn Cook, Alice Caruso, Giannis' younger brother, Devontae Cook off the bench. They kept Jared Dudley. It's another good veteran player on the team. They still have Alonzo McKinney, so like again, they, the Lakers won the championship. No matter if it's a bubble, no matter who they face in the East, no matter who they face to get through the West, they got better. And I'm not saying that the season is over before it starts, but if LeBron doesn't play that many minutes because he and Anthony Davis, you got Catavius Caldwell, you got Caruso, you got Quinn, 
you know, you got Quinn, you got Devante Kakuk, they got Giannis's brother who could just play some minutes then. And then Jared Dudley will play for them. You got Marcus Montrose Harrell up top. And you kept Kuzma and you got Wesley Matthews who could play for you and Mark and Morris Bass. So like again, they kept the roster intact, shipped out the knuckleheads, got better players as well. And they know that Davis is going to stay there for a while. Yeah, it's, it's, it's their championship and their Western Conference to lose. Now, the Clippers, we all know what happened is that they they completely uh, bombed out as the number two seed. And they didn't make it to the conference finals. And they didn't beat the Lakers or anything because they lost themselves to they lost to the, the Nuggets in that playoffs in seven games. So the Nuggets got to face the Lakers. And the Clippers also, they got kind of worse because... As I mentioned, Lakers stole Montrose Harrell, and they traded Landry Shaman. Right there, those are two important players from your core that you lost. Okay? You fired Doc Rivers. I know it was probably a time to change everything. But Tyron Lue, he essentially coached LeBron for maybe a season or two and won a championship. And then the Cavaliers were like, LeBron left. We don't want you around, Tyron Lue, because we don't really want to pay you. So he barely was the, the Cavaliers head coach. Because they had another coach before him as well. And the... Uh, and uh, that's the thing. So, like, it, they fired the head coach beforehand, and um, and then they fired him basically after LeBron left. So, it's like, yeah, you fire David Blatt, and then you hire Tyra Lue, but then you win the championship with Tyra Lue, and then you fire him when he leaves. So, he barely was head coach. So, I don't know. And he's also Doc Rivers' assistant league coach. So, how much really different is Tyron Lue to Doc Rivers? Maybe because he's younger and he can relate more to the players. I don't know. Well, you lose key players like Shemet, Lander Shemet, and Harold, you get worse. You lose head coach. Now, you could say, well, they got Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka is a, older than Montrose Harold. Yes, he's a much better scorer inside and outside as a shooter, and he can play bolts, and he's tall enough to play center at seven feet, and he's almost seven feet tall. That, yeah, maybe it fits better. And he also played with Kawhi when they won the championship in Toronto two years ago. Now, they also went and got themselves Nicholas Batum. You could say, He's a veteran player. He's from that San Antonio system years ago where it's 6'9". He can play multiple positions and guard multiple positions, and he may be a good three-point shooter that you may want rather have a veteran than a potential. And they got to keep Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris Sr. But to trade, like in that whole entire trade they made, it, and in the end they got Luke Kennard, Luke who wasn't that healthy to begin with in Detroit, so that's a negative there. Now, obviously, Zubak is going to be your center, and Morris and Ibaka are going to split time at power forward, and you still got Kawhi and Paul George, who signed a max deal, so now the Clippers don't have to worry that he's leaving. Now they got to worry about keeping Kawhi Leonard happy. Now, I don't really know how you're going to keep Kawhi Leonard happy, because no offense to Luke, Luke Kennard, Serge Ibaka, and Nicholas Batum, and keeping Reggie Jackson and Morris, I don't really think this team is good. You, get, you got worse. Okay, you're shuffling the deck of, okay, Harold's gone, but we got Serge Ibaka. We traded Landry, and we got Patum and Luke Kennard, and we kept Reggie Jackson. Ah, okay, Clippers are still going to be a top-five seed, even with, you know, the resting from their players, because as good as the other teams are, the two best players are always going to be Kawhi and Paul George. Their two players are better than most two players in the league, and if you add Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, and Reggie Jackson at the guard position, that's good. If you add... Nicholas Batum, Serge Ibaka, and Morris at the small at the forward position, that's pretty good as well. So I feel like they're going to still be a top five seed. They're just, we don't have the same head coach, and you lost two players at least in the offseason maybe, and they're just not a, not as good. They're still going to be a top team, they're still, but they're still the second best team in their city, in the conference, probably the third, maybe the fourth, and... Um, even though there are less games, I don't really don't want. I don't really see them uh, being the second, the second seed. They may be the third or fourth seed. Now, in their division with the Clippers and the Lakers are the Golden State Warriors. And whatever the Golden State Warriors was, Steph got hurt and nagging injuries. They just said we're not going to play you. Draymond Green missed some time, and they had D'Angelo Russell. But then they said we're going to get rid of D'Angelo Russell because we really didn't want him in the first place. And they got Andrew Wiggins, who never lived up to his potential as a two-way player in Minnesota. So they got Wiggins, they had Draymond Green, they had Steph Curry, but, Kawhi, but uh, you know, you know, Clay Thompson injured, got injured last year, and um, and that's the thing. When he got injured last year, he missed the whole entire year, and they're like, great, he missed the whole entire year. Why don't we're not going to really play our best player in 
And Steph Curry, if he's just going to, you know, be missing some time, that's where it's like, that's not good. So, again, he come back from that season-ending injury, and he hurt himself before the season starts with Achilles. So, you like, you, you can't catch a break, Clay Thompson, with his injury, where you miss all of last year, you miss all of this year. And the thing about him is that he always was the guy who played defense. He got the tougher defender for Steph Curry. He, always had the, he was always off the ball. He wasn't actually having the ball. And it's just... That's where the thing is. It's just like I, it's just unfair to him that he uh, he had knee surgery and then he had the Achilles injury and he's always guarding the hard defender. He's playing off the ball, so any chance of the Warriors maybe a top seed this year is probably down the drain. They're most likely going to be fighting for sixth, seventh, or maybe even the fifth seed. But that's only because Steph Curry will be back fully healthy. Jeremy Green will fully be back healthy, and they trade for Kelly Oubre, who Washington dumped for unexplained reasons and played really well with Phoenix. He along with what they got in Kent Bazemore and Brad Wanamaker, who they got for the Celtics. Bazemore used to play for them years ago. Is that the three of them combined with Andrew Wiggins playing two guard or small forward is death. The last time that the Warriors had death was before they got Durant, where they had Harrison Barnes, Andre Iguodala, and they had Sean Livingston, and they had multiple big men. They had a really good bench and a good team. They had David Lee back then as well. Now they're building up this death where they got themselves four guys who can play the two guard and the small forward position and they finally fixed the center spot they drafted James Wiseman with second pick and the fact that he's a good at protecting the rim and rebounding and he can run up and down the floor and he's in and he's a pretty good shooter and even though he's about like seven feet tall he is not one of those guys where he's a back to the you know basket type of big man he can shoot the three as well and that's really helpful for them is because then he can also go, come up at his size and his frame and guard the, the you know, the young people or the players that are the shooters. So, yeah, even though he's seven feet, he can guard the shooters, he can guard inside, he can shoot. He's what you want, like a Bam Adebayo, Clint Capella type of big man in the league. And it's going to be very good to have, even if Clay Thompson's not playing, he can lean on Clay Thompson, he can lean on Draymond Green and Steph Curry to learn how to play the game. And that's going to be very good that he's going to be there to do that, and also, if he starts to play really well, you don't have to worry about ever starting Marquise Chris or Kevon Looney at center, because Kevon Looney is 6'9". He's not 7 feet tall. Marquise Chris is also 6'9". They're not really that tall. We all know that Draymond Green, who plays power forward, is 6'6". He's really the size of a two-guard, and that Eric Pasquale, who played a lot of minutes last year, is also the size of a two-guard of 6'6". So, between Pascal, Looney, Marquise Chris... And the combination of James Wiseman, your front court will be a lot better because some because those guys will be coming off the bench. Because if you start Wiseman and you start Draymond Green and you start Kent Bazemore and you start Oubre and you start Steph Curry, that just makes your team better. Well, not Bazemore. I mean, you start Wiggins and you start Oubre. And if Kent Bazemore is coming off your bench along with Pascal and Kevon Looney and Marquise Chris and Jordan Poole and Brad Wanamaker's off your bench, they're back to having that Golden State Warrior depth where they uh, have multiple players that can roll out there. And the thing that the difference now is you got to get Bazemore and Kelly Oubre. They got to move around the ball. The problem with Steph Curry is they had all this ball movement with all the players in the team, but without, without Steph, you know, without all these players, without Clay, it's just him and everybody's triple teaming him. So sorry to Golden State Warriors fan. You got all your championships and I really love Clay Thompson. Everybody likes him. He's a great two-way player. He never really gets his due. He's out again for the season, but the Warriors are back to where they have depth, and they they got a young center. They probably got the most ready player in the draft, one who make an immediate impact, and they could always get themselves into the James Harden or another player, you know, sweepstakes by trading that pick they got from Minnesota. They could trade Wiggins. They could do whatever. But yeah, the Warriors are gonna be a playoff team, and it's gonna be interesting to see how now they have organizational depth and they have a young big man. How it's all gonna turn out now, Phoenix was the star of the bubble where they had themselves DeAndre Ayton, Devin, Devin Booker. You know, they had, at that point, Kelly Oubre. And they had all these other guys on their team. And you're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Dario Sark, the stretch forward who they got from Minnesota, used to be in Philadelphia. They got all these young players. And Ricky Rubio and Aaron Baines were good veterans at center and at uh, at point guard to help this team. And you're like, cool, cool, cool. That will be a very good idea. And, um... And you're like, that's good, that's good, that's good. And um, But here's the thing, they got better this offseason. I know you say, oh, they got better? Aaron Baines, their big man, is gone. So, 
That's not a big deal. They held on to Dario Sarks. They got, still got the stretch four. And yes, they lost Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubin and Aaron Bain. But Jay Crowder's hustle and his three-point ability making and his three-point shooting capability kind of maybe fills up for the Kelly Oubre thing. Langston Galloway also can can handle the ball and shoot. Each one more can handle the ball than shoot. Abdul Nader's a nice young role player. And Jalen Smith, who they got as well, just for maybe replaced Hydrome or Jalen LaCour. It's not a big deal. And the biggest thing they did is they got Chris Paul. Chris Paul took the Oklahoma City Thunder to the playoffs last year, and nobody thought that was going to happen. They're like, they were the fifth seed. Okay, maybe make the playoffs the seventh or eighth seed. But they made the playoffs, okay? And that was because Chris Paul and Billy Donovan got together, and they, uh, along with Stephen Adams and Illinois, they got all those young players on their team, and they all merged around them. Now, Monty Williams, who was Chris Paul's coach for a few years in New Orleans when they crossed paths before he went to L.A., Chris Paul, the two of them have history with each other. I think the two of them, if they work together, they could do the best to help DeAndre Ayton. Because Chris Paul, even as a youngster, he made Tyson Chandler a center and a bunch of other centers really good when he was in New Orleans. He made Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan better. Montrose Harrell, all these other guys better by him being the starting point guard. And last year, he made all these other guys really good by him being around there. And young guards like Shea Gilson Alexander can learn from him. So in this thing, is you go look at this team and go, okay, DeAndre Ayton, he hasn't lived up to the potential. Number one, he's been okay. Booker's been a scorer and a great player, but he hasn't really loved to it. Last year's first-round pick, Cam Johnson, okay. The pick from a couple years ago, Mikael Bridges, he's been okay. We already know Darius Sarks hit a ceiling. It's a big six, you know, six ten stretch four, and yeah, yeah. Now you got Chris Paul, who's going to facilitate, so that keeps the ball handling pressure off Devin Booker. He's also a good defender that keeps the offensive pressure off Booker. Aiden's going to get better just specifically because Chris Paul's going to give him the ball. Mikael Bridges and Cameron Johnson, whoever does get to start a small forward, is going to really benefit from having Chris Paul be out there on the floor and orchestrate everything and show him how to play defense, hustle, and get him set up for the best success, whoever's starting. Having Langston Galloway and each one more off the bench will be if Chris Paul and Booker need time off or minutes you know, to relax for a bit. you got both of them that can handle the ball and shoot the ball, so that will help them there. And Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder could also always start a small forward instead of these two young guys, or it could be your stretch four and give Stark minutes off, or Stark can go be the stretch five when you take Aiton out of the game. And then they got Abdul Nader, who is, was a good role player in Boston, and he was a good role player in Oklahoma City. He just comes along with Chris Paul, and just more time playing around Chris Paul will help Abdul Nader because, as I said, the small forward role in this team between Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, is not sold. If Abdul Nader works his butt off, he could probably get more minutes than Cameron Johnson and Mikhail Bridges if he just plays a lot, if he just hustles out there, because they know they're going to give minutes to Jay Crowder and each one more. Now, in the draft, they drafted this Jalen Smith. And the thing about Jalen Smith is he's about 6'10", 6'11". And it's good enough that he'll be a backup to Aiden, because that's all they really need out of him. So, yeah, the Suns are probably going to be the ace seed, but they're kind of be in that play-in game with Portland, Memphis, San Antonio, New Orleans, maybe like maybe even Minnesota. Like Those are the teams that are going to be in that play-in. But, yeah, that's the, that's the Suns' trajectory is that they can be an ace seed, but if they're the ace seed, they're going to lose the first round to LeBron. They have to try to get the seventh seed, or they're not going to be in the playoff that long. That's the problem, because then every team that's above them is really good. And even if it doesn't work this year, Chris Paul could stick around the next year, and this could also work out as well. And the and I feel bad for the, for the Sacramento Kings, who are the worst team in this division, because the L.A. teams are good, Golden State has Steph Curry back in their organizational depth, and the Suns got Chris Paul and some better players in. I really do feel bad for the Sacramento Kings, because... There was one year, two years ago, where they just missed the playoffs. Really nice season, where they just, they just missed the playoffs and all that. And last year, they were just not that great. They were under 500. So, that's the thing is when the two top heavy teams got better, and then the team that won the championships, they are better from the year that they and they had a down year and they got better and the Suns got better. It doesn't matter how good you are because their best players are DeAndre Fox. I mean, not yet. De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley III. Marvin Bagley III has been the most healthy, and they also have the most inconsistent. The two of them, they're the two best players, and you really can only go as far as who your best player is with De'Aaron Fox and who your two best players are, Bagley and Fox. And in the West, it's hard. If they're in the East, I could say maybe they have a shot at the 7th or 8th seed in the East, but they definitely have no shot in the West because those are their two best players. They're, and because I think they're not going anywhere, 
Harrison Barnes, that would be somebody I would trade to a team that needs somebody. I would also trade Corey Joseph. He's a good backup point guard. Glenn Robinson and Jabari Parker. At this point in his career, Jabari Parker, he's a backup. You can get him as a backup, and Glenn Robinson good backup. Now, here's the thing. They brought in Hassan Whiteside because their starting center himself, Bagley, can't stay healthy. Whiteside was on the Kings years ago, but also they lost Alex Leonard for agency. So, basically, Whiteside is, you know, musical chairing with Alex Lynn as a backup center. And they did lose Bogdanovich, and they got they really got nothing for him. They really, really were hoping in that signing trade that they would get, like, a first-round pick and some young players like DiVincenzo or Pat Connington. And they did not. So they lose out on that because somebody, you know, reported the Bucks for doing that so they don't get it. Now that helps them with Buddy Heald because the question was, who are you going to pay who to keep long-term? Hopefully that means that they're going to keep Buddy Heald who every year gets better as a shooter and a scorer. He's only been leaving four years. He's going to be year five. He's going to be good. Now their Justin James guy, he hasn't really lived up potential. And um, as I said... They they got really a steal in this draft. They got Tyrese Halbert, who I mentioned earlier in the draft, or Jay Billis, the draft college expert for college basketball, go, the Bulls should take him. He's the fourth best player. Now, he had the potential to be top five pick, but he dropped away to 12. And he's one of those guys who could be a spot-up shooter, and he has good defensive capability. So in a lineup where you have De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halbert, and Marvin Bagley, that's pretty good. Now, the thing is, who's going to play power forward? See, what it is, is they're probably going to have to move Harrison Barnes to stretch four. And Harrison Barnes is no real stretch four. He's 6'8", he's okay. But because Halesburg and Buddy Heels are much, their development is much more important than Harrison Barnes. That's where Rashad Holmes may start a power forward. Uh, veteran Jabari Parker, who's been a power forward, can start at power. You could also start a power forward. Because that's really what's going to happen there. Because they don't really have a power forward that you can rely on. Harrison Barnes... Is going to be the odd man out because you want to play the youngsters because, as I said, you're the worst team in your division. You're going to be one of the worst teams in the whole entire Western Conference. There's probably only going to be maybe one or two other teams that are going to be as bad as you. That's the case for Sacramento. They went from being very close two years ago, so they're just dropping down. And they got worse by not getting the Bogdanovich sign-and-trade. And they just shifted the chairs for the backup center. And as I said, Harrison Barnes needs to be traded so they can get something back for him. And Parker, Glenn Robinson, and Whiteside and Corey Joseph... And eh, really doesn't know anything. It really is going to be, can Bagley stay healthy? And how does he line up with Fox, Heald, and Haleburton as a core four? That's really what's going to happen there in that division. Now, the Nuggets last year, they finished with the third best record. I feel like they're going to be second or third again. It all is going to really depend on the Clippers and, and how both of those teams finish. Because Jamal Murray had a coming out part in the bubble. Like, not in terms of coming out as a person, but as a player. He was great. He's, he had all these amazing playoff games, and we all know how good, you know, Nikola Jokic is. And we also know how good Michael Porter Jr. was in high school. But then he missed the whole entire year of his rookie year, and then he played the second year. He's like, okay, cool, 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 he's back. And um, he started shooting the ball. He was really good. And now here's the thing. Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray could win most improved player of the year, but I feel like Murray already improved so much in the bubble that a full season of him improving and a full season of Michael Porter Jr., you know, is going to be very, very good. And um, that that combination of those three, if those that's your best, those are your core three, that's not bad. You know, I did lose Jokic's backup in Plumlee, and they also did lose, you know, Jeremy Grant, who, as I said, could guard three positions, front court, shoot the three, and was very versatile. Okay, so they re-signed Paul Millsap, so he's going to probably again start a power forward. And they brought in Michael Green, who, again, nice role player. So he'll just take, you know, the, the position that Plumlee had. And, you know, that depth doesn't really suffer because they kept, because they kept you know, Millsap and they brought in Michael Green. And then you're like, okay, so what, what other move are they going to make? So the other move that the Nuggets made was they uh, did a really good job drafting, okay? They went and drafted in the 22nd pick a guy named Zeke Najani, who... He's an athletic big man, and he's the Pac-12 freshman of the year, and he's got a great offensive skill set among the best big men in the draft. So he could be the backup to Paul Millsap and Jokic, but if you don't want to rely on him too right away, you got your Michael Green, so that's not a bad thing. And then they also drafted with a 24. They got two good picks in the first round in terms of guys that are going to help them. They drafted R.J. Hampton. 
Now, RJ Hampton was another guy who I mentioned the Bulls could have taken, and nobody would have been upset because we talked about him during the you know, beginning of the college basketball season before they shut it down. Now, here's the thing. So that's the thing. He's the thing. He can take the playmaking pressure off John Murray. He's 6'6". He's got the speed. He can create shot for others. His shooting stroke could get better, but he doesn't have to start right away because the thing about Denver is, is they still have Monty Morris on their team. They have Gary Harris, and they got Will Barton. So between those three guys I just mentioned, one of them could be the starting two guard alongside Porter and Murray. And as I said, you got Millsap and Michael Green who could start a power forward or back up Jokic while their younger player who they, who they drafted before RJ Hampton could actually, you know, you know, Zeke Najani can help time develop. So again, you're kind of deep there with that guard position there at the two guard slash small forward. And they having Millsap and Michael Green are good and they could probably use another big man. But with drafting a big man, that helps them. And then getting another playmaker in RJ Hampton is good too. Then they signed Bull Bull to a two-way deal and brought him back. And Bull Bull is a freak of nature. He is seven foot two, and he's like this—he's like his father. But the thing is, his father took threes, and not many but people. Now he can take threes, handle the ball, dribble up and down the court, and he's like seven foot two. Now here's the thing: along with Millsap, Jermichael Green, and the first-round pick they have, and Bull Bull, they got the front court depth between Lobard and Gary Harris, R.J. Hampton, and you know Monte Morris. Again. They got the backcourt thing. And Michael Porter Murray, if they both break down as players, that's why I feel like Denver has a good chance of being a top two or top three seed. But again, if they get to the NBA Finals, they got to face the Lakers. I really don't have confidence that they can get over the hump. But they're really, really, really good team. Mike Malone, again, could be coach of the year, okay? That's how good the Nuggets are. Now, in their own division, I got to worry about Utah Jazz, who also finished like right behind them. They're the fifth seed. I mean, they were the sixth seed, and this year I feel like the Jazz could be the fourth seed. And the Jazz still have Donovan Mitchell, who signed that huge contract, max extension. Then they were worried about the fact that they were going to lose Rudy Gobert this offseason or whatever. So they signed him to an extension. So they're going forward with one of the best defensive centers who can win Defensive Player of the Year, seven-foot shot blocker, rib protector, rebounder, and Donovan Mitchell's long-term max contract extension. So those are the two guys. They're anchoring to those two guys. Those are the two best players. They're going for it with them. They still have Mike Conley, who's still one of the most underrated players in the league at point guard. And they re-signed Jordan Clarkson, so they got themselves a great backup combo guard. So they're set at the at that guard position with the top three positions. And they still got Bojan Bogdanovic and Joe Ingles at the four positions. And when they're healthy and, you know, not opting out, all those things where that was an issue last year, opt-outs and injury, then they got a good team. The problem is, though, with Utah is they don't have a lot of depth. So Jordan Clarkson is a good backup for Conley and Mitchell, but that's it. They don't really have anybody that sticks out on the bench at the guard position or at the forward position if Joe Ingles or Bodanovich get injured. They went out and signed Derek Favors. Derek Favors was their starting power forward for a while alongside Rudy Gobert, but the NBA doesn't do that anymore, and he went over to New Orleans to be a center. Now, I think one reason they signed Derek Favors is because they were familiar with him, they liked him, and in case they lost Gobert, they could always just bring him back and he could be the center. So outside of Derek Fade and Jordan Clarkson, their bench is very thin. And I don't think if Mike Conley or Bogdanovich or Joe Ingles, any one of them or the two anchors, Gobert and uh, Mitchell, miss any significant time, they're not going to, you know, um, really overcome that. As good as Quinn Snyder and this team is, they don't have the depth. And the only real backup I heard of was Shaquille Harrison, who I didn't mention. But that's because I follow the Bulls closely, and I know who he is. Now, their first-round pick was a center. And he's uh, what a lot of people called a surprise pick in the Inchasso Stash Project. It's usually what you get in the first round. So he's one of those um, surprise picks. He uh, averaged a double-double in college, but he's a true back-to-the-basket back to center. And as I said, they're moving away from that, and that's why favorites... It doesn't play alongside Gobert anymore. And he's just going to back up Gobert. But now that they extended Gobert, he's not really going to replace him. So it's like they could have used their draft pick on a, on a guard or a wing player. But that's what you get when you're 27th pick. It's fine by me. But yeah, Utah, their strength of their core players, their starting five and their two bench players, so that'd be their top seven players, is good. It's just not good enough. Now the next team in that division is 
Portland. And Portland, Portland last year had all the injuries. McCollum missed some time with injuries. They were without their big men for a bit of time. They didn't have a real consistency at small forward or power forward. And Terry Stotts the best that he could to keep the team over water, you know, over water. And um, they they uh, they 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 won the playing game in the bubble because they added this playing competition to the AC because they almost missed the playoffs completely last year. And I feel like this year, fully healthy, they're still going to be in that same issue where the West is so difficult and the Warriors are healthy again. The Suns got Chris Paul, that it's not guaranteed that the Trailblazers get the A spot because Memphis had the AC for most of the season. You know, Zion and New Orleans, Timberwolves are had potential. The Spurs over the Spurs. So it's like, like it's not guaranteed that I'm going to get Portland that um that A spot because I kind of have them just missing it out this year as the ninth seed. But that's, but you never know with this whole entire playing game. And now last year, the thing that really helped them was they went and got themselves. Carmelo Anthony. And everybody goes, ah, Carmelo Anthony. But here's the thing about Carmelo Anthony was he really helped them out at small forward slash the stretch four position, a thing he didn't want to play in New York. And it really, really helped them out because they gave him, he gave, they gave him minutes. That's what they really needed. Because last year, Whiteside, who they brought in, he missed time due to injury. And their center also missed time due to injury. And you're just like, great. So we're missing... The center we brought in Whiteside for a bunch of times, so we don't really have any big men. And CJ McCollum, our shooting guard, missed some time. Zach Collins, the real center, he missed time. And, you know, it didn't really work out. The Kent Bazemore, Rodney Hood thing, they weren't that great. It didn't really probably have that great of minutes. And it wasn't that you also missed the sound wise. Zach Collins, you missed Nurkic. So Nurkic, their starting center. Zach Collins and Whiteside all missed time. So you're missing three centers. No consistency at the power forward center because you could always play one of your centers, quote-unquote, a power forward. And Rodney Hood, Ken Baseball, didn't really work out for them. McCollum this time, so they needed Mello. So they got they brought Mello back. They brought Rodney Hood back, so Rodney Hood can come off the bench. And they signed Harry Giles. He's pretty young. He, you know, he's been in the league for two years. They signed Harry Giles to replace Whiteside because... Again, if Yusuf Nurkic or Zach Collins go down, they got Giles. And they brought Ennis Kander back, who was just on the team, like, not this past season, but two years ago, two seasons ago. Not this last season, but the one before. So, Giles and Ennis Kander could back up at center or power forward or start when those guys get hurt. They signed a Derek Jones Jr., who can't really shoot a three as a 6'6", undersized small forward. But because he's played as a power forward in Miami, like, he's also got the ability to come in. And they signed and they got Robert Covington to trade. Like that's really good because Robert Covington is that typical three and D small four two guard. But he's played a lot of stretch four because of Houston's small ball. So he's saying he and Mello could be the stretch fours and on a team that could help them out. He the two of them are could be stretch fours. Derek Jones could play power four, and Giles and I said Anis Kanter could play center and power four. Anis Kanter was a starting power, power forward in this league for a, a good amount of years, so he could play there. So they got all the diver, they got the versatility. Nurkins and Nat Collins are finally healthy. As they kept Rodney Hood and Carmelo Anthony for depth as well. And in the bubble, Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simmons both played well off the bench. So again, Terry Stotts is having a stable of wing players and big men. And his lineup could be everything. It's ever-changing. It depends who you want to play at center. And you want to play two big men together or you want to do the stretch four combination. And then you could always play Melo at small forward. You can even play... And you can, and you can play him alongside... You know, Derek Jones Jr., Robert Covington, and if McCollum's healthy as well, that's good. So Portland, I'm sorry to say for them, is they're in a division where Denver's so good, Utah's really, really good, and the West is really, really good, and their competition is with two young teams, a veteran team, and the young sons that have Chris Paul. And the la- and the next team in their division is Minnesota. Minnesota has the... So Minnesota's had Carl Anthony Towns for a while. He's a first overall pick. They signed him to a long-term deal, and he's got he, and he's more. And people sometimes say he's a stack guy. He just does all the numbers. He really doesn't make you a better team or make you win. But then it goes back to when Kevin Love was the best band, best player on the team. He's a big man. Or when Kevin Garnett was the best player on the team and he was a big man, and they really didn't do much or make the playoffs that much or really that successful. Then Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins was traded for Kevin Love, and he was a first overall pick. And everybody thought he's got this. Lanky body, he's a wing player, he's, you know, he could be the answer, like, that, that, uh, that, that the two of them together who got the money, they would be the players, and they got Jimmy Butler, 
and they thought, okay, they paired Jimmy Butler with the 6'8 Wiggins and the 7-foot Carlton Towns, and they made the playoffs one time that one year. Then Jimmy Butler won it out. That didn't work out. So they went and traded Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler got gave them, you know, Dario Saric and Robert Covington. But again, Robert Covington, they, they got rid of him. Dario Saric, they got rid of him. So they got nothing really left from that Jimmy Butler trade. And then they say, you know what, we're going to get D'Angelo Russell because we don't want to have Andrew Wiggins. They get D'Angelo Russell, and D'Angelo Russell played really well towards before the bubble, everything shut down for Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns, a guy who they always want to work together. And he's been playing pretty well, and that's a good combination. But the problem is, as I said, with a lot of these teams, they're in the West. And that, you know, you know, combo of the two best players, not better. The Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Rockets, Mavericks, Warriors, Suns, and Trailblazers, that they're two best. I don't even think they're two best players are better than San Antonio's two veterans or the potential of the Kings' young players, Memphis's, or the Pelicans' young players. So I feel like their duo, despite, you know, them being really good, is not really going to help them. But So then they got the first overall pick this year because they had a lousy year last year and they were they had the second-to-worst record in the whole entire West. And the way the lottery worked, they won. So again, they had themselves another lottery pick. And they took the best player they possibly could take because they have a center and they have a point guard. They weren't going to draft Ball or Wiseman. So they went out and drafted Anthony Edwards, who a lot of people say, oh, he could be a wing player, but he's not the tallest, so he's going to be more of a two guard. And now that they got, they got their, now they have their quote-unquote big three. Problem is their big three is not better than most big threes in the whole entire, uh, in the whole entire West. And that Anthony Edwards, yes, he's probably the best ready player in the draft because he's a 3 and D type of guy. But a lot of people said his focus is he wants to play other sports. He doesn't always hustle. and always try the best. And I'm just thinking like, hmm, that's, it's, that's fine because it's like they're not really going anywhere. And, um, and they just need time to develop. You need to see how it really fits. How does Anthony Edwards fit? In a full season with Carl Anthony Towns and Deanna Russell playing a full season with Carl Anthony Towns. How does that work? You know, with Flip Saunders' son being the coach. Let's see how that works. Now, you were like, okay, how's their bench? Well, they made a trade last year where they uh, they really gave up some of their bench players like Gorgie Jang, so their backup center is gone. Tyus Jones is gone, one of their backup players. And they, and they invested all this money in Malik Beasley, who, again, like the Anthony Edwards guy, who are both 6'4", 6'5". They're both two guards, so Beasley can't play at the same time as them. He also got all this trouble with in the offseason. All this offseason turmoil, no matter if it had to do with the law or cheating on somebody, whatever, you know, all this stuff distracting him. Then they, and, they, and they paid him a lot of money. Then they paid a lot of money for Juanato Hernan Gomez, who, again, in 6'9", is, is going to be is the first guy on the depth chart to play power forward. Doesn't really have. Then they got veteran Ed Davis, who never really was that great, and he's not really a center. And again, undersized power forward. That between the two of them, they don't really have a good power forward. The only and they and they and the only good young player off their bench is Josh Okioji, but that's really it. So really, what it falls on is how good can D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley, as your four best players, really go? And then they got Ricky Rubio back, but Ricky Rubio is going to back up. D'Angelo Russell, because this is not when D'Angelo Russell played in L.A. with Lonzo Ball and they had to play both, or when he was in New Jersey and they had Jeremy Lin, because Ricky Rubio's only 6'3", and D'Angelo Russell's only 6'4", so you can't both of them play together when your two best other players, Edwards and Beasley, are both short. So they're lucky that they're not going to be the worst team in the West and they're not going to be the worst team in their division because that's what Oklahoma City is trying to do. Sorry, Minnesota, you're not going to make the playoffs. You're not going to... Have all stars. You're barely gonna be good now. Oklahoma City, they uh they they when they got rid of Westbrook and they got draft picks and they traded Paul George for draft picks. And this off season they traded away Stephen Adams, so they got rid of him and that's draft picks. So that that's where it happened there. They got draft picks there. Then they traded Chris Paul to Suns and they get draft picks and young players back. So did all of that moves Oklahoma City so that Chris Paul's gone. Steven Adams gone. They let Danilo Gallinari leave. And this, and they basically also got draft picks from Philadelphia just to take on Al Horford's contract. And that's the thing about, you know, the, the Thunder. They're all about having all these first-round draft picks, all these second-round picks, and all these young potential players. That's all good and dandy because they were the surprise team last year because of Chris Paul and Billy Donovan. But 
they fired Billy Donovan because they felt in the playoffs again, and you can't blame him. He did it. The year was just Russell Westbrook. Then he did it with Paul George. Then he did it with without the two of them, and it was Chris Paul and a bunch of young guys. So that's how they miraculously the fifty, but he got fired, and everybody else is gone. So the Thunder are turning the keys over to their franchise to Shea Guy Gildas Alexander, who learned under Chris Paul and gets an opportunity to take over the whole entire team. Now again, he won't have Daniel Gunnar for shooting, Steven Adams for defense. He won't have Dennis Schroeder off the bench. He won't have a dual NATO Terrence Ferguson or Lawrence Noel off the bench. He will have veteran TJ Leaf, Trevor Reza, George Hill, and Al Halford, and and then fellow young guys that got in the first round. This Alexei Pajuva, who's a forward player, he's got a seven-foot frame and he can shoot the ball and handle the ball, but he's not going to help him immediately. And then um, they also drafted a guard out of French. Theo Maldion, who people looked at, but again, really not going to help you in Chester Republic. So they got three foreign players in the draft this year where either not going to play all year or they're barely going to play, and his really help is going to be Amaya Diallo, the African San Dunk Contest, Lou Gens-Dortz. He's got Frank Jackson from New Orleans. He's got he got Justin Jackson, who used to play for you know Dallas Mavericks on his team. And they got Ty Jerome from Phoenix. They got all these young guys that are going to play along with Shea Gilles Alexander gets the, the role to the, the keys to the castle. George Hill can help a team who needs a starting point guard or a team that just needs that great guy off the bench. And then there are teams that could use Al Horford to be their starting center or power forward depending on their team or their best player off the bench. And same thing with Trevor Ariza. He's still a great small forward and maybe a stretch for 3 and D shooter. That between Hill, Ariza, and Horford, they're not, the team's not going to be so embarrassing it's just they're not really going to try to win because I told you, outside of Sacramento, who I mentioned before, and outside of Minnesota, there aren't really bad teams in the West. So Oklahoma City, by default, if they just play up to their potential, that's not going to be a playoff team, and it's going to be one of the worst teams in the West. And then they may not have the top seed because there's some bad teams in the East, but then they could always trade George Hill or Reason Al Horford, and they can even trade... Mike Muscala as well, and they can then completely just go into tank mode and just be really, really bad. So yeah, Oklahoma City's days of making the playoffs are over. They got all these young players they have of their own. They got all these young players they got from other teams that they made trades with, and they still got three, and they got three to four uh, veterans that they can always give up, always trade at the deadline that will help somebody else. So that's what really Oklahoma City is doing. Now the Houston Rockets and the Mavericks are the two teams that are going to make the playoffs 100% from their division, okay? Because the Mavericks are going to have Luka Doncic going to year three, and he is going to be a guy who can win MVP. He's going to, you know, Rick Carlisle can win Coach of the Year because that division has those two teams. Then it has New Orleans and Memphis where New Orleans had the eighth seed until the playing game. New Orleans was invited to the bubble, and the Spurs missed the playoffs the first time in like 20-something years. And, of course... They're not good enough to miss the playoff, make the playoffs, not good enough to be bad, and New Orleans and Memphis are on the rise. So this team, this division only really has two good teams that are coming out there. And Dallas, you could say they got worse because they traded away the, one of the best statistical three-point shooters in the league in history in Seth Curry, but they made their team a lot better than they, than they, than they were last year. And now they also got themselves Josh Richardson. So that makes this team a lot better because they got Josh Richardson on this team and they also drafted really, really well this offseason. So Luka Doncic, as I think, has a chance to be MVP this year. It's his next year in the league, and you're just like, cool, cool, cool. It's going to be his next year, is his, the, the next year in the league where, you know, he's only been in the league for a couple of years. He is 6'7", so he's that model that we people want us to point forward. And Every player, every year, always adds something to their game and they get better. Maybe he'll be a much more consistent three-point shooter. Maybe he'll be a much more consistent uh, defender and rebounder, all that stuff like that. And you can't really rely on Chris Porzingis to stay healthy and ever to ask him to play center because he's fragile and not a low-post guy. But just say to Porzingis, stay healthy. We'll need you in the playoffs where he needs a second person. In the meantime, you can rely on the other players on this roster. You can rely on Josh Richardson. We won't have to be shooting threes and be a crucial factor to the Sixers' success. He plays off the ball. He'll play defense. He'll grab rebounds. He'll, he'll hustle. You'll get James Johnson off the bench to hustle, grab rebounds, play defense at the occasional three. And if anybody pushes Luka Doncic around, the black belt master will push them around. And 
They also kept Trey Burke, who played really well for them towards the end of the season in the bubble. He's good to have off the bench at a, as a guard because Luka Doncic being a point forward, Trey Burke doesn't have to be a point guard on this team. He can just be a backup or just a shooter on the team at the same time. And Willie Cauley-Stein is always good to have as a backup big man. So for them... In the first round, they drafted Josh Green at guard. And he's a versatile wing, good defensive score. So he's like a 3-and-D type of player. So if you have that 3-and-D player with Tim Hardaway Jr., who's always a great three-point shooter, and Trey Burke shooting, that means that's three guys shooting. Plus, you can always have James Johnson shoot the ball as well for three. That, that takes the load off Josh Richardson. He doesn't have to be relied on to be a clutch and three-point shooter. That you to like. you got to rely on him to shoot threes. Because the problem with Philadelphia was Tobias Harris, Al Horford, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. Well, it's Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson's job to shoot at the two wing positions, but the whole team stunk at shooting. So it really did not help Josh Richardson and his development from when he got traded from Miami to do it. Now he's got Josh Green, a rookie, to help him out as well. Then they drafted this point guy named Tyrell Terry, who, who will also, being the backup point guard like a, like a Trey Burke will be, when Luka Doncic goes off to the bench, they got two guys who can facilitate and handle the ball, and a lot of people think that he's going to be pretty good too. So, Richardson won't be the main three-point shooting option. The rookie Tyrell Terry and and uh, J- and the, uh, Josh Green will help shooting and playmaking ability along with Trey Burke, so the team gets better there. Porzingis doesn't have to rush back because you know Jalen Brunson's also off the bench. They got another shooter there. Willie Cauley-Stein will probably get the first cracks at starting at center. And um, we all know that uh, Maxi Kleber also will, and Boban Marjanovic will get chances. Dwight Powell will be there. And this team really doesn't have a power forward, so they could always play Dwight Powell at power forward just because the Porzingis is injured. It's okay because Boban can shoot threes. And... Um, yeah, just let the best thing is for Porzingis to like just stay healthy, not play that much, unless Josh Richardson, Dwight Powell, Boban, Maxi Kleber, Willie Cauley Stein, James Johnson, and Tim Hardaway Jr., the youngsters that they just drafted this year, and Trey Burke, really, really just lead this team and win the playoffs when Luka needs a number two, he'll be there. That will be the thing about them. And then the Rockets, they're interesting because I mentioned that Russell Westbrook traded two. The wizard for John Wall. John Wall has had the ankle, the Achilles, the knee. All these injuries the past couple of years were once. While he's rehabbing one injury, he got hurt again. So there's no guarantee that John Wall is going to be able to hold up for a full season and be anything near the player he was. Nor will DeMarcus Cousins, who both on LA and Golden State got injured and had season-ending injuries. He wasn't the same thing. And they lost role players Robert Covington and Jeff Green, who are 3 and Ds, who are stretch fours, and Austin Rivers, who was a great facilitator off the bench and three-point shooter as well. So they got worse there. Now, they're the team that said, we're not going to have big men, so they got traded Clint Capella, and P.J. Tucker got the worst brunt of it, or him having to play center when he's not even that tall as a small forward. He, this year, will finally get an opportunity to just play what he wants, which is he, he just wants to play small forward, or even stretch four. That's it. Like, he'll be able to finally play that position because if DeMarcus Cousins is starting at center, Tyson Chandler is the backup, and they actually may use him with this Steven Silas, son of Paul Silas, who's a career assistant coach, they may say, okay, DeMarcus Cousins starting at center, Tyson Chandler is your backup, and Chris, and Kristen Wood is going to be the, uh, the starting power forward after he had a really good time in Detroit, and that will be, like, the starting big men rotation for there. Occasionally... They could ask P.J. Tucker to play power forward, but that's occasionally. They're not going to ask him to do this all the time because he doesn't want to do that. And um, so, yeah, so, the, so James, the, one, the thing, though, you could say about the Rockets is that if John Wall is healthy, one thing John Wall could do is he can score and he can shoot. He's not the worst Sicily three-point shooter in the league, which Russell Westbrook was. So if James Harden has the ball in his hand and he passes it out to John Wall, John Wall can either shoot it for himself or create and facilitate for others. Okay, they still got Eric Gordon who can shoot threes for them and facilitate, and they still have some other young players on their team as well, like Daniel House Jr. who played really well, and they drafted Kenny Martin's son, who they said he in college can shoot the ball really well as a guard position as well, and that's good for them. But it's like they don't have Tabo Savalosha and they don't have Gerald Green 
as I mentioned, they don't come into uh, they don't have Cephalosha, Gerald Green, Jeff Green, Austin Rivers coming, so they lost some shooting there. But now they're back and about being in centers with Christian Wood, Marcus Cousins, and Tyson Chandler. So, and um, uh, I'm excuse me, Tyson Chandler was, is no longer on the team. He got cut. But that's what I'm saying. Like this team now is realizing, huh? We actually need big men. So that's why I signed Christian Wood and Demarcus Cousins. The real question is, outside of the two of them, who else is center on this team? I don't. They don't really have any other centers on this team. So that's what they're really going to struggle because if they face a Utah and a Denver in the playoffs and a Lakers and the Clippers, they're going to be small again. Peter Tucker's not going to take the front of it. Demarcus Cousins and Christian Wood, I'm not going to rely on them. But yeah, if James Harden is still on this team and John Wall is somewhat healthy, Demarcus Cousins is somewhat healthy, and Chris... Wood and Kristen Wood and Eric Gordon and Daniel House Jr., Peter Tucker, all play up to how they're supposed to play. They'll be a playoff team, and they'll probably be the fifth or sixth seed, but it wouldn't be surprised if the Rockets fall to the seventh seed and the Mavericks or the Mavericks or the Warriors finish higher than them. And now if James Harden gets himself traded tomorrow on the day the season starts or later in the season, then this team is definitely not a playoff team that opens the window up for other teams. And in this division, as I mentioned about the Spurs, is that the Spurs missed the playoffs last year. And um, they weren't divided to the bubble because they had a bad year. Marcus Aldridge had an injury that kept them out for most second half of the season and the bubble. So they finished in the 11th state. They finished three places out of this thing. And they didn't, as I said, they invited the Grizzlies and the Suns. They didn't invite them to the playoffs. And their playoff streak was 23 years, and they missed the playoffs. And... Um, it's gonna. They have a new streak starting where they're not going to be good enough to be a playoff team. Well, the problem is they're not bad enough to be a lottery team. But they're the team that's usually good at drafting Ginobili and Tony Parker and Patty Mills and George Hill. Not George Hill, excuse me, Kawhi Leonard at the end of the... Yeah, George Hill at the end of the draft. Or realizing the talent in Kawhi Leonard or other people on draft night and continuing just to get those sneaky steals there. And yeah, they always do it that. Doc Rivers... Excuse is a good coach, but he couldn't handle the GM role. Greg Popovich handles the drafting, the scouting, and the development, but he has R.C. Buford to work with. They figured out a way to do it. Houston had Daryl Morey took over everything. Daryl Morey handled the keys to his assistant. Stan Van Gundy, when he was in Detroit, he was doing both. He really can't be doing both. So not every coach, Thibodeau, wanted to do head coaching and GMing. It's like some, some coaches are good as coaches and some are GM. It seems like Pat Riley... Did both, but now he's the GM. So Greg Popovich is still going to know how to draft players in the, the first round, get stash guys from overseas, or draft guys in the second round, or, or get players on draft night or from other teams that aren't really used. Now, a full healthy season with Marcus Aldridge and a full healthy season with DeMar DeRozan, who opted in for some reason. I don't get why he opted in. And veteran Rudy Gay. That's three. There are three veterans you can rely on. When you have three guys who have either been an all-star or been close to an all-star level, which Rudy Gay has was been in his career, you cannot be that bad. Now, based on last year, I know they're going to have a better record than the Kings. But with Portland trying to make the playoffs and the Suns making the playoffs, that would mean the ninth spot could technically go to the Grizzlies or the Pelicans. And they could still be the 11th seed because Oklahoma City's not a playoff team. But they could also be better than the Grizzlies and the Pelicans and they can finish ninth or 10th because they have those three guys. And I feel like if they're smart, in my rules and opt in, you got one more year. Trade them to a team that really needs them. Maybe get a first-round pick. Or a young player back. Trade Rudy Gay. A team could use him. The other thing is they have too many guards. They got Deontay Murray. And they got themselves Patty Mills. And they got Derek White. All three can handle the ball and be a point guard in this league. And Patty Mills is the, like the veteran of this team. Deontay Murray is the tallest one out of all of them as well. And, as, and I just feel like any one of those guys can start another team. Trade one of them. You can't use them all at the same time. And then they got themselves Trey Jones in the draft and he's the brother of Tyus Jones and again he's again like his brother Tyus Jones he's a small guy he's a he's a guard so again they got it themselves the guard there and then they got Lonnie Walker who's again 6'5 he's their small forward they drafted this Devin Vessel guy who's listed a guard forward but he's also a guard so again they got this gluttony of guards they really like playing this Keldon Johnson guy too with the two guards so you're like hmm, what's going on see well the Vessel thing is He's a good wing defender and shot really good from the three, and so he'll be good in this thing. But as I'm getting at, is the team has three point guards, and it has one, two, three, 
like four. Yeah, it's got three shooting guards, three point guards, and they drafted Trey Jones from you know who was the brother. And then all he did in the offseason was re-sign Jacob Potel and Drew Ebanks because they realized you know what, outside of Lamarcus Aldridge, we need somebody to play center, and that's going to be Jacob Patel. I mean, Jacob Potel, or is it going to be Trey Lyles from the Utah who they've had for a couple of years, or Drew Ebanks? And um, that's that's the thing that that's the problem with them. They they, they, they signed a lot of money to two big men because they don't have any big men, and they overdid it on guards. So if that were them, they're not going anywhere. Trade Rudy Gay, trade Patty Mills, trade even DeMar DeRozan, and just continue, make this rebuild go a lot quicker for you guys because you're just not good enough to be that bad in the in the West. In the East, in the East they'd be a playoff team. They're just they're not good enough to be bad. They're not good enough to get a lottery pick and not good enough to make the playoffs. Then the next two teams in their division are New Orleans and the Grizzlies. And they're not going to be the worst teams because I already mentioned the Kings, Timberwolves, and the Thunder could probably be the three worst teams. But also they're not going to be the playoffs. Sorry the Grizzlies who played really hard last year and lost the eighth spot in that playing tournament. And maybe them and the Pelicans will also, besides from being invited to the bubble last year, they both will be the teams that could also maybe get that, that playing game as well. And the thing about the Grizzlies is... Second season for John Morant is going to be scary because he was really good. And he and Jaron Jackson as a combination, if he stays healthy, Jackson, that's going forward. And some say, what about the Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley? Well, this combination proved last year that they can put the pieces together and they could uh, be a uh, playoff team. And um, that's what I'm saying. Like, they, they proved that they were the A seed. And if they weren't for that really, you know, that trade in, that play in game, that the Grizzlies probably would have been the the eighth seed. And that was really good for a team that has a bunch of youngsters. And um, the Grizzlies also, despite making the playoffs, they had a, they had an okay pick. They drafted Desmond Bain. And uh, they said he's the ability to shoot a 40% of three throw line. And he's said he can become a very good defender. So if he plays alongside Morant at the two guard and you have Jaron Jackson Jr. at center... That's already, at that point right there, that's a good start to a team going forward. They also got themselves just as wins the last year. Not this year at the bubble, but like, I mean, at the deadline. At this last year's deadline, they got themselves Justice Winslow from Miami. He wasn't healthy, lived with potential. They got him. They also stole one of the Spurs players a few years back in Kyle Anderson. He was a nice, good role player at the small four position. So they got they got nice players in, in uh, Kyle Anderson, just as Winslow, and they drafted this Bane guy to play with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. So building pieces. Brandon Clark's a nice young player they have on their team. They also got Gorgie Dang and, and uh, Jonas Valanciunas. I don't know why they need two backup centers, but having two backup centers to back up Jaron Jackson Jr. or sometime to play Jaron Jackson and power forward, however you want to do it, it's up to the coach. They got Grayson Allen from Utah. He's the type of guy who just is a good role player on the bench. So yeah, that's the thing. They they got the and they still and they got Tyus Jones also from they got Tyus Jones, Gordy Dang from Minnesota. They got Grayson Allen from Utah. Kyle Anderson they got in free agency from the Spurs a couple years ago. Their 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 young players Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark are good. They drafted Desmond Bain, and we all and and we all know that Winslow was good in Miami and Val Tunis as I said, and Jang are great backup center. John Morant. So Taylor Jenkins. I'm sorry, you probably will be in that playoff, you know, window thing where they got the teams playing for the last spot, and John Morant's going to be really, really good. But the West is really stacked, and other teams got healthier and better that I feel like as good as your combination of Jackson Jr. and John Morant and how good Desmond Bain can be or Anderson slash Justin Winslow at the wing position and players like Melton, Clark, Brooks, or Allen at the guard and wing position, Jones... And then you got two good veteran backups. Eh. Maybe in two, three years from now, when other teams get old or the Rockets, James Harden's gone, things don't work out. Maybe you'll be a top, you'll be a playoff team in the West. And then the Pelicans are like, why am I putting the Pelicans last in this division? Because they weren't a playoff team. They were invited to the bubble for the sheer reason that they had Zion Williamson. And Zion Williamson won't be on a minutes restriction this year, and he will. Uh, and he will hopefully get to play a full season. And then Stan Van Gundy, who got the most out of Dwight Howard. He got the most out of Dreandre Drummond, Blake Griffin, in Detroit a lot of times. Like, 
that's going to be the combination there. So it's going to be Stan Van Gundy. Can he get the most out of Zion Williamson? And now that Brandon Ingram won most improved player of the year, was an all-star, they signed a mass contract, that's the two guys you're going to build around. You're also moving forward with Lonzo Ball as your point guard because you traded Drew Holiday for a bunch of picks and Eric Bledsoe. So you know what? That's good. The one thing that I don't get with David Griffin, he's also with compiling picks and trying to be a young team like Oklahoma City. They go out and trade multiple picks. They trade some picks that they got from like Milwaukee for Steven Adams, a big man, and then like sign him to money. When you're trying to build on the future and Jackson Hayes is probably a better guy to run up and down the floor, maybe you can shoot the ball instead of Steven Adams to back to the basket one. That's kind of probably why the reason they said, you know what, Jaleel Okafor and, he, and uh, Derek Favors, we want to pay for them. They're not the type of center we want. Then they go out Stephen Adams. So that's why it's like you lose Drew Holiday. Eric Bledsoe's not an upgrade, but he's going to back up Lonzo Ball anyway. But then he's not going to be the shooting guard like Holiday is to defend other people. You won't have each one more scoring off the bench. And you don't have Julio Okafor or Derek Favors at center. And they're younger, more athletic than Stephen Adams is. And I feel like Jackson Hayes is a much better fit. Now, they did draft this Kier Lewis Jr., who he is one of the most exciting players in the draft. And a really good question is, will he fill in at the two-guard spot that Drew Holiday was filling in nicely in? Because they said that he can play with the ball on his hand, which doesn't really help with ball. And then, and then the question is, when he, can he guard players? So that's really who they drafted in the first round. I think Steven Adams is really going to come back to haunt them because they could have kept those young picks and money on, on they used on Steven Adams got somebody else at the two-guard position. So Bledsoe, again, if, because I don't think this team is a playoff team, Try to trade Bledsoe. Since you already gave money to Steven Adams, you're going to be stuck with him. And I really think that maybe Nikhil Alexander-Walker, you know, or Josh Hart should be starting at the two-guard because that first-round pick they mentioned, Lewis Jr., they're not really sure about him. And the real question is, can Sam Van Gundy figure out, should Zion Williamson be like Charles Barkley, an undersized power forward because he's not a great three-point shooter? And play Brandon Ingram as small forward, or the fact that Brandon Ingram is six seven and he's super lanky and tall, and Zion Williamson is shorter than him, that maybe Brandon Ingram plays stretch four power forward type of role because he can shoot the three, and you play Zion Williamson as small forward because of that's his size, or do you just you know say Zion you could play center to be a small ball center? Like that's the question. JJ Reddick could always start at the two guard two instead of Josh Hart or Walker, but like Bledsoe, if they're out of contention early. Just trade him. And Willie Hernan Gomez is really just rotating the chairs that you left that you don't have the other two big men that I mentioned, Favors and Okafor. So it's all be how good is Zion going to be this year? How are they going to figure out Sam Van Gundy, the combination of playing him with Ingram because they're both small forwards slash power forwards? How are they going to fix the Josh, I mean, the Josh Hart and Alexander and the Lewis, the drafted, and J.J. Reddick? Who's going to be the best fit at two guard alongside Alonzo Ball without Drew Holiday there? And Steven Adams is really going to be the center you want late in games where you're going to go small or you can actually play Jackson Hayes who has, you know, the versatility that he can shoot as well because, you know, he's a little small, a little, he's shorter and he's a lot more explosive. So, yeah, sorry to New Orleans. You were only a bubble because of Zion. Sorry, Lonzo Ball and Ingram. You guys are not going to be a playoff team this year because the way it's going to go in the West, it's just a recap. Lakers, number one seed, Nuggets, two, Clippers, three. That could change the two and three. I'm going to go Utah, four. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to pick Houston to be fifth in case James Harden is still there. James Harden gets traded at any point this season. They go out of the playoffs completely. The Mavericks could also finish with a higher seed and be the fifth, and Houston could be sixth. Then I, and the Warriors could also maybe finish sixth seed higher than Houston. It all depends on Houston plays this year and how the Warriors play. And it's really going to come down to Phoenix, Portland, and Memphis. I think who's going to be the last three spot because Memphis had the AC most of the year. Blazers got in the playing game. And the Suns got better, and they got Chris Paul, and their young talent gets better. So I'm going to just say the Suns. Now, if Houston trades Harden and they're out of the playoffs... That would mean I'm just going to think the Suns are trailblazers make get the final two spots, and Memphis would be in a play-in game, and the Pelicans could be in a play-in game. So could Minnesota. So could the Spurs, because the Spurs are not good enough to be that bad. But I still feel like the Kings and the Thunder and the Timberwolves are three worst teams. Now, I mentioned who I thought could be award winners in the East. In the West, I think Luka Doncic, if the, the Mavericks finish fourth or fifth, maybe give him the MVP. Damian Lillard can get MVP votes, and so will LeBron. Defensive Player of the Year, Gobert, Anthony Davis, and like Draymond and Kawhi are always going to be up there for that. Rookie of the Year, as I said, could be Wiseman for the Warriors. It could be Edwards of the Wolves, but I really highly doubt it. And Most Improved Player of the Year could be the Nuggets Porter Jr., DeAndre Ayton of the Suns. Now he's got Chris Paul. Moran could take the next step. Zion could take the next step. Shea Gillis-Alexander, when he get the keys to the castle, could take the next step. Jamal Murray, even more. 
And I feel like Montrez Harrell and Dennis Schroeder, depending on how they start, could do it. Danilo Gallinari. And the Hawks I already mentioned. But yeah, the Lakers with Her- Montrez Harrell and Dennis Schroeder. Lou Williams always for the Clippers. And Jordan Clarkson the Jazz. That's what I feel like. And Coach of the Year, depending on how the Suns do, Monty Williams. How do the Trailblazers do? Terry Stotts. Lakers, I don't know why he gives a Vogel, but he, he'll get votes. Mike Malone will give votes. Stan Van Gundy for how they do with the Pelicans. And, of course, Tyron Lue for, for the Clippers. Executive of the Year, I feel like James Jones, if they make the playoffs, really would be in. Polinka May for the Rock, for the for the Lakers move. Now, the first round, the Lakers that face the Suns, they're going to win easily. Nuggets beat the Warriors. That can be tucked for the Nuggets. But if they're the two-seed in the Warriors, I, mean, I feel like the Nuggets will win that. Clippers versus Mavs, I feel like it's going to do the same thing Milwaukee did when they face Miami, they're going to lose. So the Mavericks will win that. Jazz versus Rockets, Jazz are going to beat the Rockets. But then the Lakers are better than the Jazz, and they're much more deeper. And they're not going to beat the Mavericks. <coughs> but I feel like that will go seven games, and the Mavericks may win that in seven. So I feel like the Mavericks will probably win that. The Lakers will beat the Mavericks, all the Nuggets doesn't matter. And then the championship will be the Lakers versus the Celtics. Like all the classic matchups in the years past. And this one will go six or seven games because Tatum is going to will this team to get at least to game six, maybe game seven. The Lakers will gain and win a championship. Thank you for listening to the NBA preview for On the Radar Table. I'm Radar. For those looking for the Eastern Conference predictions on everything involved in the East, check out part one. This was the West. Good luck to all the teams in the NBA season, even though the shortened season. Thanks for listening. I'm Radar. See you guys next time.